0: This is Vicky, and welcome to Sources and 6 You can get this podcast from where you get your podcasts from. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and many more. Shanisa Kimbrick is an IT security professional who is passionate about designing security strategies for emerging technologies. And at the moment, she is working on identity and access management at Microsoft. In this episode, I chat with Shanisa to find out about the identity management challenges we face today, how we can balance security and privacy, and where she thinks the future of identity management is going. So listen on to learn more about identity management and digital privacy. First of all, thank you so much for joining me today, Shanisa, and welcome. I was thinking that we could start with a little bit of a self-introduction. Can you tell me what you do at your current job and what brought you into this field or this role in particular?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, first I want to say thank you for the opportunity. Shanisa Cambrick, I am currently a principal product manager with Microsoft. I work in our identity protections division, and basically my team is focused on building out digital protections and defenses for identity. And for me in particular, I'm focused on what I call emerging identity. So things like non-traditional identity, IoT devices, bots, APIs, thinking about things outside of a user identity.
0: Oh, okay. That's interesting. Can you tell me maybe a little more about the projects that you've done for your current role and what that looks like in term from like an identity perspective? Yeah. So, we got a couple of things in flight
1: and I'm actually a bit newer to Microsoft. I've been there about a year. And some of the things that I've been working on are actually have patents pending, so I want to be really careful about what I talk about here. But I will say in working with the team, some of the exciting things that we've been able to do is build in some defenses and protections when it comes to what we call workload identities. So if you think about things that may traditionally have been considered like service accounts, service principles, those identities that connect one system to another, now we have a way to detect bad behavior for those.
0: Mm -hmm. You obviously have a lot of experience in this area. Do you see any difference in how we handle identity management and access management changed in the past. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: one of the funny things or interesting slash funny things to me is that when I first got into security, it was like the lowest of the low in IT. Like nobody wanted to be in this field called cybersecurity and it wasn't even called cybersecurity back then. Yeah. And Uh I guess I'm dating myself a little bit, but yeah, cybersecurity really wasn't even a thing that people wanted to do. So it's been exciting to see how this has actually been embraced and especially the identity aspect of things. You know, now I think people are pretty much bought into this idea that identity is the center of the universe when it comes to security. Um, (laughs) You know, you can't really access something without an identity and you can't really breach an environment without having some way of some entry point, which usually consists of an identity and some, some shape or form. So I would say those are some of the interesting things that I see when it comes to that. And then looking at how identity has shifted over the years, going from, you know, like a user Name and a password to now this whole concept of what digital identity is, and that can consist of you know biometrics that consists of devices and you know we're even to the point of being able to open a device with your face, so you know, just thinking back over time that once upon a time there was a thing called this phone book, you know, and scrolling through mm-hmm. a phone book to find somebody's phone number, and now, like I said, you can actually open a device with your face, so
0: uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's on pretty much every iPhone, right? And also I think fingerprints are a thing now in everyday devices. Are there any other sort of metrics or identity management tools that you think are exciting or is something that you think has potential?
1: Well, one of the things that I think is really exciting, and I guess it'll show people that I'm a bit of an Apple fan, even though. Yeah, I work for a different company, <laughs> is that in Arizona, they recently um, released this feature that's allowing people to use their their Apple um, wallet and their ID as part of going through TSA, which I think is really cool. So it's showing the evolution, again, of digital identity, and that now you can carry your identity around in a phone, essentially.
0: hmm Yeah. So you're saying that your phone is replacing things like passports and driver licenses, right? I think we're starting to get to that point. So, I mean, it's
1: not a one-to-one replacement just yet, but that's where I see things headed towards. And, you know, that's good and that's bad in a way because it's good and that there's this convenience and that you as an identity owner have more control over where your identity is being stored and, and who's it being shared with. But then that also puts more pressure on you as an identity owner, because now you're completely responsible for what happens with that. You know, say you lose your phone and that's your only source of identity. And then what happens? Mm-hmm. And so then that's the exciting part about my job is to think about those type of things. And how do we build in, you know, detections and protections for digital identity going forward as these things start to shift? Yeah, I would say it's very difficult. And, you know, the other thing that sticks out in my mind as I think about, you know, features that I may want to build out someday or design out is there's a generational gap, right? So you have different sets of generations from, you know, young kids who are digital natives, and this is all they know, is this whole digital identity, and when they're online, and you know, how that works. And then you have older generations that, you know, have used checkbooks, and, you know, social security number, that's the way that they thought of identity. And, you know, as society shifts, how do you accommodate both of those aspects?
0: Mm -hmm. Are there any other big challenges that you can foresee coming up? Well, I think there needs to be greater
1: communication and emphasis on that communication of what really is digital identity and how does that work? Because as we move from a society that's more... corporate focused, and there's these central stores of identity, and we start moving to decentralized identity, where you as an individual are responsible for that, then how do we inform people of what good safeguards are? You you know, I think as a cybersecurity community, we do share things about, you know, MFA and and things like that. But I believe it's going to need to go to an even greater extent. Because, you know, as you mentioned, like with a digital wallet, if you, you lose that, what's your recourse for that? And, you know, I can think about, again, thinking about the different generations. And my mom has lost her Facebook password maybe three or four different times. So she has like four different accounts out there. When you get to the point of, you know, this digital identity and it's this one place, you won't be able to do that. You lose your password. That's that's kind of it. So there's financial implications to that. There's connectivity implications to that and helping people to understand how does this impact them
0: uh, long-term? That makes sense. Do you see this sort of digitalization of identity going even further than right now? Are there any other ways that we could potentially integrate this idea even further?
1: Well, you know, with the a generation that again I call digital natives, and that's all they know. I'm sure it's going to be even more integrated in some type of way. And then as we think about this whole concept of the metaverse and and what does that mean, and you know avatars of who we are that are all again associated to a digital identity, then mm-hmm. you know it begins to play an even greater role in the way our society operates and the way we need to operate with one another. And again, understanding security and what controls need to be put in place there. So digital identity is available for good, but then there's also digital identity available for harm. So attackers are going to go where the money goes once people start transitioning to I mean we already see it now with like cryptocurrency and in wallets being you know attacked and ransomware in crypto environments. So the more that we get to a digital state as a society, the more under attack that that's going to be.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm still getting up to speed with crypto and Web3 and NFTs and how all of that happens together. But a lot of what I see is social engineering, right, is, you know, phishing is still very common. But then also as you're sharing information about yourself on social media, that's a good way for attackers to figure out like, what might a password be, or where you might be using digital identities? So that, to me, even as we think about what the metaverse will be like, that's probably going to be one of the primary attack vectors: is pretending to be somebody that you think you know, and then you let down your safeguards, and then they get into, you know, your crypto wallet, or they encourage you to, you know, click on some link that um, ends up putting uh, malware on your environment. So I think that becomes a bigger part of making sure that people are aware of these type of attacks, but then
0: making sure that people understand that this is out there. That's so interesting. How is general identity and identity protection um, currently working in the metaverse? So to me,
1: that's like the uh, you know one million dollar question is how is it working in the metaverse, especially with security? I, I have suspicions that there's opportunity out there, but I don't want to go into too many details because again, that is some area that I'm working on. So
0: uh-huh. that would make sense. Yeah, I feel like this is the unexplored sort of area in cybersecurity at the moment, right? And I suspect that it's going to work pretty similarly to how cybersecurity and identity management, identity fraud work in other realms, but just you know adapted for the metaverse environment, right? Yeah, and I think one of the things that makes it a little bit unique is that
1: right now there's not a central metaverse, right? There's going to be all these different metaverses where you have a different mm-hmm. identity on all these different platforms and your avatar could basically be anything you want it to be. You know, and you think about, onboarding into a company's environment and not having ever met somebody in person and all you see is an avatar. So, you know, how do you know that the individual that you're interfacing with is actually who you think they are?
0: I think it's going to be somehow tied to biometrics in the real world, right?
1: I think that'd probably be like a safe way to think about it. And then you get into like privacy and ethical implications because, you know, thinking about young children, how much of their biometric information gets to be shared for them to have an identity on this metaverse environment?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So your work is research into this area and how we can build, you know, safer alternatives in, in the evolving landscape of technology.
1: Well, and, and I wouldn't say so much, you know, safer alternatives, but actually detecting when something bad may be happen, happening, and then also helping individuals protect their identity in all these different layers of, you know, digital life that's going to be occurring. You know, if you think about, Within with the pandemic over the past two years, how many people have used telehealth? And, you know, prior to this, that might've been more of a foreign concept. And now I believe, you know, going forward, it's probably going to be a lot more common. So how do you know that person that you're connecting to on the other end is really the doctor that you intended to be talking to? How do you know that your information is safe and that discussion that's happening between you and that doctor is you know, stored securely somewhere? Mm-hmm. Um, You know, and then take that one step further when you start thinking about this whole Web3 and, you know, metaverse experience. There's just lots of good stuff to think about. If you like security, Mm -hmm. I think it'll be interesting.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's for sure. And you mentioned you've been working with new technology emerging in the field, Web3 and NFCs. Can you sort of go into how Identity is currently managed in these areas and how you see it evolving going forward. Yeah. So in most
1: cases, you're going to have some some type of wallet, which will have some type of token or password associated to it, uh, allowing you to go into those environments. Um, Some of this is associated, or most of this is associated with blockchain. And that kind of leads into decentralized identity. And so when I was talking about individuals will now own their digital identity presence, uh, that's what I was kind of alluding to, is Mm -hmm. there's different companies who have joined forces together uh, when it comes to this whole concept of decentralized identity. And so, you know, thinking about you as an individual, have some piece of software on your phone, some wallet on your phone. And you get to share out that identity with others based on who you choose to interact with. And that could even be a corporate company. Maybe you want to share that information as part of onboarding, but it could also be part of your consumer experience as well. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of interesting use cases, just, you know, based on my own research and, you know, products that. I would like to put forward of, you know, from a B2B supply chain perspective, but then also from that consumer perspective of, you know, me owning my identity and controlling who actually gets access to it.
0: Going back to the issue between privacy and identity, do you have like a of what the ideal scenario would be like in terms of identity uh, management going forward that would potentially afford us with both safe identity management as well as some reasonable extent of privacy?
1: So that's an interesting question. And, you know, as I think about it, I feel like there's always going to be a bit of Mm trade-off. It's just, you know, how much trade-off are you, you willing to Except you know, if I go back to when I was talking about the whole phone book thing, and people used to be able to look up phone numbers and addresses of individuals years ago, um, you know, in this phone book, and people weren't really as concerned about it. And you know, I'm dating myself again, but back in those days, people's addresses and phone numbers didn't change that often. So if you looked it up in a phone book, it's pretty good chance that that person still lived there and still had that phone number. Um, I think with digital identity, what's different now is that the number of people who have access to that information is grown exponentially. Like it's it's global. It's not just your neighborhood and who has access to that physical phone book. And so I think that's what makes it most scary for people. And you know, with that being said, I I think it's gonna depend on and me being a parent, it, it kind of feels like age groups, right? Like for me, I would prefer my kids be more secure and maybe trade off a little bit of privacy. And then it also depends on what area this is touching, like my my finances, for example, versus where I live. And I think it's a really interesting question that I'm going to have to noodle on Mm -hmm. a little bit more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I think the ideal situation or the ideal solution would actually depend on sort of the information that that we're working with in that particular instance, right? Like there's Probably no reason for things like social media platform to gain too much information into your biometrics. On the other hand, I think you can probably justify higher forms of security in the expense of privacy for things like finances and healthcare applications.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's easier to make those judgment calls when it's like in a corporate environment to say, you know, where do we have our boundaries of security and privacy because there are. You know, legislative implications to some of that. But then as a consumer, it's kind of, I think, a fuzzy area to really, really think about.
0: Yeah. I think I had this conversation with someone a while ago. And the conclusion was that most people would gladly trade a little bit of privacy for a lot more functionality. But I think the trade off between security and privacy might not be as apparent for most people.
1: Yeah. And I think you raise a really, Great question, especially as we go more towards this holistic digital society that exists in this metaverse some days, like, yeah, how much privacy are you willing to trade off for security and vice versa? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was kind of my thought is that I really want to get in front of some of this, of what's coming Um You know, maybe like a year or so ago, you heard the word metaverse. and Like, oh, that's, you know, 5, 10, 15 years away. And then things just start, you know, ramping up really quickly. So I would love for the identity community to get in front of this and, you know, build good structure in place and, you know, think about that security and privacy, possibly trade-offs, but implications. And, you know, how do we make sure that we are keeping our environment, that we're looking at these type of things before it gets um, too far ahead of us?
0: I think that's how security just as an industry has evolved, right? It's very interesting how functionality is always moving so fast and security has sort of needed to catch up as an industry.
1: Yeah. And I'm hoping that we can kind of avoid that a little bit this time around. We got enough heads Mm -hmm. up that I think maybe security can get in front of it, so...
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Where do you yeah. see the future of this area of research going? Well, I'm hoping that where we go
1: now is thinking about how we can use identity for good, especially because it will become more decentralized and individuals will have access to it in you know multiple different ways. It's not just, you know, stored with some government entity and, you know, you have to file for, you know, passports, social security card. Now, maybe it's, you know, with you and your your phone again or, you know, your, your smartwatch, for example. Um, and so that potentially may open a lot of doors for people who haven't traditionally had access to things. Um, but then I also see this as being a potential roadblock for those people who don't have access to technology. So the more that we go digital, then the more those people are potentially left behind. So I think it's in- imperative that we build a more connected society, making sure that all people have access to technology. hmm ensures that, you know, again, people aren't disadvantaged as our society moves towards very digital, holistically digital in a lot of
0: ways. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. I think it's super interesting to think about how identity interacts with our day-to-day lives. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your opinions today. Is there anything that you want to add lastly to our conversation? Like any last insights or any tips and tricks uh, that will help people perhaps do this safely? Yeah, well, I think a couple of things. One, identity is a a
1: great field to get into. So if you love cybersecurity (laughs) and you're looking for a way in the door, please look at identity and access management. It's been very great field to get into, and I see exciting things in the future. And then the second thing, I would be remiss if I didn't remind people to please turn on multi-factor authentication or move to some type of passwordless option. You know, keep your password secure.
0: Awesome, and thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Vicky. I appreciate it.